Welcome to the International Teacher Podcast with your host, Greg, the single guy, and Matt, the family guy. We're recording episodes from around the globe to tell you about the best-kept secret in education. That's right, it's teaching overseas. We're glad to have you. Hi, welcome to the International Teachers Podcast. Wait a minute, what's the name? International Teachers Podcast? Okay, let's try that again. Take two. And welcome to the International Teachers Podcast. I am Kent, the cat guy. And with me tonight, we have a full house. With me tonight is... <laughs> hey, Matt, I'm so welcome sorry. to the... I was waiting okay. for Greg. You, you'll jump in next, Matt. Here we go. Welcome to the International Teachers Podcast. I am Kent, the cat guy. I'm welcoming you tonight. And with me is... Matt, the family guy. And Greg, the single guy, bringing up the end of this introduction. I was a little bit... Uh, Matt, I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit upset because you can't usually... He has some kind of great outro, and I thought there was going to be some really special intro tonight. And that's why I let him do it. I mean, I don't know about you. But I thought that was pretty borderline. I was disappointed. I mean, I had high hopes for the start of the show. <laughs> Everyone who knows me knows I'm an outro guy and not an intro guy. <laughs> oh, oh, we're going that direction. That's that's a good we, one. I like that. We got our first clip. We got our first <laughs> clip right there. This is a family program there, cat guy. Stay tuned. Well, okay. Let me Let me tone it down a little bit. <laughs> so can't tell right. us about the two topics that we're going to do tonight or this evening or this podcast. All right. All right, boys. Tonight we got two topics. Number one, here we are six weeks into our school year and we are talking about how to support and bring on board all of the new teachers who have joined us this year. And our second topic is it's recruiting season. I know recruiting season, even before Halloween, some of us, some of our coworkers, might be out recruiting at the fairs, and so it's time that we had a chat about that. And any police stories that might have happened since our last discussion? Uh, we haven't done a we haven't done one of those in a while. I haven't been arrested police in a while, Greg. I've, That's true. Hey, this is a new record. You kind of went a whole month. I did. I did get three speeding tickets last week when we went to Bahrain, but um, that's. Not in a row. Two of them were on the way back and one was on the way there. So none of them were getting pulled over. You got the speed camera flashed at yeah, you three the, times? Yeah, the camera got me. One on the bridge, I wasn't paying attention. And then one on the highway coming off of the bridge. And then obviously <laughs> the one that I got on the highway going to. You know what happens. So we might have a little bit more exciting podcast next time. I was going to say, a new, a new coming, story. To us, coming to us from a Bahrain jail cell is the family guy. <laughs> well, so did you, did you get arrested? No. Did anybody pull you over? No, but it's a police story. And that's what you asked yeah, for. Uh, stay tuned that's for when bad. the police show up to pay those tickets. We're just really hitting high marks with tonight's show already. We got a solid intro. <laughs> Very unexciting police action. <laughs> hey, I like this episode, and I think our viewers do too. We you know we've got about eight thousand seven hundred hits now on our show overall for the That's past fantastic. year plus that we've been on. So I'd like to thank our listeners for hanging in there and listening to us, and maybe they're learning something. Maybe it's just that we added Kent to the show. I don't know. 
Kent does add a, a certain level of sex appeal that wasn't there before. It's kind of nice. You know what? The, the bar wasn't set too high, but I do bring the sex appeal. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You're the extra salt to the pretzel, Kent. Ooh, and the mustard. <laughs> well, notice that and little October dig that we put right in there. That's good. Ooh, I could use a little October fest this month. And just so, so the viewers, the listeners understand, we're all on, on Zoom right now. We don't record the video, but we record the audio. And I'm sort of laughing inside right now because I'm looking at at Matt and he's got like one of his one of his kids and one of his eight year olds headphones set on right now. <laughs> and he's sporting his Vikings outfit. Of course, he's got his colors. Congratulations on your team win tonight in London. Appreciate that. Thank you. It's a big night. You're we're welcome. Happy. By the way, these are professional headphones. These are beats. Really? But, yeah. Well, it looks like your my... eight year old bought you a pair of beats then. Because <laughs> I, I have a giant head, Greg. So thanks. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kent, let's get going. I want to hear about what you've been. Uh, how do you support some of the new staff that have been coming into school over the years? You've been here for quite a while at this current yeah. school. You were at another school in Yemen. What's one of the ways that you've been helping out the first couple of months that somebody arrives? Uh, listen, I uh, have gotten some advice from veteran teachers at both of my jobs when I was a first-year teacher in Yemen and a first-year teacher here still in the desert. I received the best advice I think you can give a new teacher. When I first arrived here, I was working my tail off. I was trying to impress. I was trying to show my knowledge, my get-go. I had a lot of pep in my step. And finally, one of the vet veteran teachers took me to the side and said, Ho, 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 Kent. Take it back a notch. You already got the job. So I like to tell our new teachers, I like, take a breath. Take it all in. You're a first-year teacher for only one year. Just sit back and enjoy it. That's really good advice. I had a couple teachers say, you know, that. But one guy came in, he goes, man, you're working too hard. You're making the rest of us look bad. You're going to make <laughs> me work a little bit. <laughs> well, I will follow up on that, and I will say this. I have seen teachers just give tons and tons of advice to newer teachers. And I think we forget that in international teaching, it's not exactly the same as a domestic school where someone could be a brand new, new teacher. We don't necessarily get brand new teachers where we're at. We've got teachers who have careers, who have uh, experience in the classroom, who may want support, but they might not need all the support that you bring them. They might have questions here and there that they'll ask. If they're really shy, maybe you reach out and talk to them. But I think we also need to remember that they might be perfectly great with getting that year going on their own with just some small questions here and there. And I think one thing that I try to do is see how they're doing, check in on them, have some fun with them, remind them to breathe, answer what questions they have. But I try not to just start doing an information dump. Do you guys know the, the information dump where someone just starts talking to you about 12 different things? And it's, you know, in education, most of this stuff is not that exciting. And to get it all at once is just too much for me. <laughs> what did you know say? Oh my, this is Kent. Welcome to the International no, Teachers Podcast. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> and with so the audience, <laughs> just so you, your audience knows what just happened is I have a special recorder that I usually record all of our sessions oh my on. God. Now about 15 minutes in, I just hit record, but 
it's a good thing that our Zoom has been recording this whole thing. So I, I hate to, sorry to make you laugh so hard, Kent, but we have been recording, just not the way I wanted to. Well, this is why we have po- this is why we have post production. Kent, this is uh, Kent. This is Matt in production. We're going to need you to do that again. From the start. Go ahead. Roll Thank music. <laughs> Whoops. Okay. What do you guys think? You've met a lot of teachers that have rolled in. What do you guys think? I think there's a couple of things you have to keep in mind contextually. Like think about the school that we were at in South America, Greg, where you were a new teacher and you showed up. You were from the beginning expected to not only do your job, but fill several of the roles associated with student clubs, student activities, things like that. So right out of the gate, you were already going 100 miles an hour and learning to live in a new country. And so school size also has something that has to do with that. For example, coming into the Middle East where we are, we have a very established school system itself. And I know a lot of people, depending on the message you're sent from admin, a lot of times it's, hey, take your time to get to know things, uh, get to learn the ropes. And then in year two, we'll ask you to take on more roles That wasn't the case for me coming out of the gate when I got here. It was, hey, welcome. Uh, Everybody will show you around and show you what you need to do, but plan on jumping in right away and fulfilling coaching duties and club duties and things like that. So depends on the school, depends on school size, depends on the activities within the community and the admin itself. But I don't know, Kent, about you. I'm always one of those people, though, that's going to jump in the boat and grab an oar and start rowing. I don't like uh, watching other people do all the work, too, so... Did you wish that teachers reached out more to help you? Yes, you sir. jumped right in, and it would be easy for me to think, that guy's a go-getter. He's going to be just fine. Did you need people to jump in there and help you out and, and uh, talk you through this, or did you feel pretty good figuring out things on your own? Coming here where we are. Which Coming here where we are? I've, after... What I considered, I considered when we were in South America, our stint, Greg, I don't know how you felt about the school. You'll have to weigh in on this. I felt the South American adjustment to like so, the social nature of things and having to adjust your hobbies and things like that was way different. Coming here, like adjusting professionally was no problem. And having to do the runaround and the paperwork was no problem. Mostly, be, so I don't know if people know this, but when you're a new person here, you have a massive list of things you need to check off like getting your driver's license. And then you get to play what's called bureaucratic ping pong, where you get all your paperwork and you go to one guy and he says, no, because there's a period here and there's not supposed to be a period here. So go talk to the other guy. And then that guy sends you back to the other guy and it's just table tennis back and forth, back and forth. And so pretty soon you've kind of learned the ropes and you learn how to adjust and things like that. So it's, I guess, learning to not take no for an answer and learning to kind of bob and weave around the bureaucratic rules in here. So no, I had no issue coming in and adapting. I thought it was quite easy compared to my previous situation. Greg, what about you? Well, I guess I'm going to take it from a different point of view. As as the teacher that's been here for a while and the teacher, like after my first year, so my second year at any school, what I figured out is that's pretty universal for me what I think helps out new teachers the most is when you can say, you know what, how you doing today? Can I help you with something, even something small? And if I don't know the answer, I say, hey, go talk to so-and-so. In fact, let me walk you over to so-and-so because they have a guy, right? We all have that guy 
I have that guy that'll get you that period on the end of that uh, that form. I have the guy that, that maybe will mow your lawn or you need a babysitter. And I know the right teacher that does that because you have a family because a family is a different setup, right? Or if you're a cat guy and you, you go to a new country, someone's got to help you out, get your cat situated because you're trying to struggle through all the teacher stuff and I can help with some of that. But even the teacher stuff, I don't have an answer for everything. So what I like to be is I like to be the guy that can find the answer for them a little bit quicker than them just asking everybody. So I might take a little extra time as the non-newbie, as the experienced teacher, even if it's just the second year, and saying, let me help you out with a couple questions. I'll find an answer for you. Try and find a shorter cut you know, for you. Uh, it does, does that make, make sense? great sense. Now, I remember coming in from into Yemen from a domestic school. And in my domestic school, one day I was talking to the principal when they came into the classroom and I turned to talk to her and she says, don't ever turn your back on your students. So you need to watch them. And I think a lot of teachers coming in from the States, you know, have that mentality still in their head. Well, when I went to my first international school in Yemen, I, I, I complained to a teacher. I said, I can't even get to the bathroom. It's way over there. What am I going to do? And she's like, what are you talking about? Just go to the bathroom. I'm like, but I got these students I got to watch. She laughs at me and says, so what? You got to go to the bathroom, walk to the bathroom. Those students are fine. True that. True that. As a new teacher, you know, that's your advice then, uh, isn't it, Kent? You have to ask all those questions. And any even more than you are back in the States or back in your home country, you need to ask those kinds of questions about what another that's about right. What you another do, you know, I think the like, people that right? succeed with uh, getting into the role of things as a new teacher are the ones that aren't afraid to ask. And I assume that a teacher who has some experience, who has done this job for a while, is going to ask what they need and aren't going to need you to show up and just start telling them their job. I think to me, you know, respecting someone's uh, skills that they developed over their career is an art form. You have to look at someone and say, I respect you as a teacher. If you want my help, I'm here for you, but I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. Yeah. Well, I, I don't want anybody to come in and tell me how to do my job. I mean, I'm, I'm actually against that. And I think any te seasoned teachers really feel that way because we, we are hired for a reason. And I guess it's not one of the extremes. It's not that I don't want I don't want people dropping in on me. It's not that I don't want um, help. It's just I need help, but hopefully I, people will just come in and check on me, right? I'll, I'll tell you a short teacher. story from my first week on the job. So I, I shared a, a room next door to uh, – I had my own room, and the room next to me was a veteran teacher who had been here for 17, 18 years. And so I'd knock on his door after school was over. His door was shut. And I would go in and I'd say, hey, uh, Dean, you got a minute to, to chat? And he looked up from his back table and said, oh, well, I'm really busy. I'm working back here. And I said, oh, yeah, you got a lot of work as I walk into the room and sit next to him. And then he turns his back to me to show me that he's got a pile of work in front of him. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing all these journals, he says, so I really got to do this. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of journals. Hey, I got a few questions for you. <laughs> so I would just – and then finally – and then Dean would just throw up his hands and turn, no for an turn away from his journals and look at me and say, okay, Kat, what do you need? <laughs> and I would just ask him everything I needed to ask him. You know, and I look back on those days as a newbie and I realize that your head is spinning. There's so 
there's so much teacher stuff going on. You're in a new year. It's a new country, a new language for some countries. And you're just getting used to every, everything. I mean, it might be the doorknobs. It might be the language. It might be your sleeping habits. Um, but whatever it is, you're getting used to it. So when I see new teachers come in, I'll just nonchalantly drop by, not in the middle of class, not in the middle of them doing something, but I'll stop and just sit down and say, what can I do yeah. for you? Can I help you with anything? And sometimes, you know, sometimes they'll be like, no, I just need to keep working. And sometimes they'll, they'll shoot it right out. They'll shoot right out there and say, I don't know how to do this. And it might be something as simple as like, I don't know how to take roll call this morning or attendance, right? How do I, how do I get logged into my school account or something? And it might be something as harmless as like what I asked a teacher once was, uh, where's the bathroom? <laughs> So in that first week, you forget what's good, you know, first month, month and a half, even you're getting used to a new school and a new life. And there might be family things going on or your cat or your dog. And you just need a little support. And Let hopefully you your, both your a teachers question. are going to support you When did you feel accepted? Stuff. Because I know in my case, it took about three or four months. But one day I returned to my classroom uh, here at, at our school here. And there was a picture of uh, um Larry Curley and Mo, a, a picture of Mo from the Three Stooges with my name underneath it. And the likeness was so close that the teach the students weren't sure whether or not that was a picture of me. But one of the other teachers had posted that picture on my door with my name on it. And that's about the time I felt like I was finally accepted into the club here of teachers. How about for you guys? When was that moment that you felt like this was going to be your place? <laughs> Kent, you're not in the club. They they were lying to you. Oh, believe still, me, I don't still know the knock or the handshake. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? There's a club. <laughs> as far as being accepted, that's that's such a difficult question. It really is. It could happen when you first arrive and you feel like it's the place to be. It, I've been in some countries where I land at the school and I feel like a complete foreigner in my classroom in my school for the first six months. And it just, it really depends on where you land. And it, it also depends on what kind of a comfort, uh, what kind of a comfort blanket of people to help you out you have. The minute you get off the plane, do you know somebody? Does somebody take you under their wing, right? That's what's going to decide whether or not you're, you're sort of feeling accepted, I guess you could say. What do you think, Matt? You know, when did you, you know, feel you like you were part of the club? Something? That's, uh, that's actually really easy. Um, First of all, in my first stint in South America, it wasn't until year two for me. I went my entire first year. Um, it was rough. I barely made it through my first trimester. It was living hell. I found that I had issues. There wasn't really people that were similar to me. Uh, and it wasn't until year two. And this big goofball in the uh, podcast with us showed up with his one suitcase and his smelly leather shoes. <laughs> he still has that show, that suitcase and those shoes i think oh no those no those <laughs> no the shoes the shoes are gone they were thrown in they were strategically yes, thrown the, uh, into the, the water entire, i think the, matt was the there venezuelan ecosystem was disrupted when those were <laughs> deposited into the canal i can tell you that right now um no it wasn't until honestly it was year two when greg showed up and i kind of found you know my person somebody i could hang out with and chum around with and I didn't necessarily 
have all that. I mean, I had people I hung out with the first year, which was nice. So it took over a year. So for people listening, it's not always an immediate thing and it can be difficult at times and you really have to stick with it. Uh, but uh, you're going to laugh at this. There's two things that happened here when we got to the Middle East. I'll never forget. It was our third day here. And I took my son, Karu, to the grocery store. And I remember going to the dairy section. Now, you, this is, you're going to laugh, but I found strawberry milk in the dairy section. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love strawberry milk. I was like, oh my God. Not only do we have electricity and running water <laughs> all the time, like it doesn't shut off. There's strawberry milk. And I kind of looked at him and I remember saying, we're going to be all right here. I think this is going to be just fine. And then um, a few weeks later, I started practicing with a softball team. And so now all of a sudden I was in with a group of guys. You know, I heard my first first Venezuelan guy at the bank drop a dale pues. And I was like, hey, what part of Venezuela are you from? Do you play softball? And it was like, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden I found a group of people that um, I had an instant connection with. And that was it. So in some cases it took over a year and in other cases it took a week. It just depends the timing, the place. You just never really know what you're going to run into. And as a, as a single guy, I mean, it was a little bit different with Matt, maybe sure. with, with Stacy and he has family and the, and crew is a little bit grown up and you meet other people with kids. For me as a single guy, I came into this school what 2016 and even though matt and stacy i knew them and they're my family from venezuela they're the ones that brought me here and said hey you gotta come teach at this school and i moved here from switzerland my first year i didn't know anybody at our school kent i mean you were just this loud fourth grade teacher that was in some other part of the building but i couldn't get out of my room because i was teaching these 20 little souls that i that took all of my time and I'd go home to my apartment and do nothing. And I signed up for online courses and got lost in studying and, and did, you know, some personal growth. But this was a terrible place for me in the Middle East here. This, this part of the Middle East was terrible for me socially because I was so enwrapped in my job. And I didn't have anybody. I had one person that sort of tried to introduce me to other people, but we didn't go in the same circles. You know, he was a great guy, but we didn't go in the same circles. And he tried to introduce me to people and it worked. But it took me a longer time to get involved here than it did in other countries, like in Switzerland or like in, in Venezuela, especially Venezuela. I dropped in and boom, it's like they had beer and yeah. peanuts. And I'm like, I'm in, <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the minute I landed, I'm like, I have a party pad. I have a three-bedroom apartment on the water, five minutes from the Caribbean Reef. And, and I've got women around me, <laughs> scantily clad. There's, there's like iguanas falling from the trees. There's parrots in the air. And once again, there's lots of beer. And I, I mean, I fell into that immediately like it was my second home. Vastly different than here. Or when I lived in Kuwait, it was completely different. It was just like this little itty-bitty microcosm of Greg's life. A little bubble around me. And I had to whittle my way into certain relationships outside of and inside of school. But of course, I've been to seven different schools and I have seven different long stories to tell you about that. I think overall, we all have our sure. own way of, of fitting in and how long it takes really depends on your personality. But you could be as flamboyant as myself or Matt or you and still have problems. And I think part right? of our part role of as mentors and veterans here is to talk to that new teacher and say, hey, you belong here. 
this is where you belong. You've got the job. You're part of us. You're one of us now. And just to tell people to remind them they're doing a great job because you know what? There's not a lot of, it's easy to feel like with all of the stuff you have to do to go to a new place, like you said, the paperwork and all of this, it's easy to feel like you're drowning and it's easy to feel like you're doing a terrible job with the kids in the classroom. And I think it's just a matter of someone saying, hey, you're doing great. You're perfect the way you are. I don't mean to make this sound like a self-help a self help, uh, program, but I it's think people need time. to be reminded that they're great teachers, that they got the job for a reason, and they're right where they need to be and doing a fantastic job. I think that's an important message for people to hear. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that, you know, let me make a point too, I think as a veteran, is that all of these experiences, even the mo the most difficult experiences of trying to fit in, making your own, like making your bubble a little bit bigger when you first arrive, and going through all the paperwork, all the trials and tribulations of a new school, those are the best stories. Those are the times when you look back on it and you cry and you laugh and you go, oh my God, you're right, I forgot about that. But those stories are the ones that, that you just look back on and you're like, I can't even write this, you know, I can't create this i mean it was it's you can't it's reality is stranger than fiction right i remember and i'll give you here's a quick example i moved to kuwait and i thought i was cool because i could speak a little bit of arabic from egypt right so i landed and i knew one other guy so we took a cab from my apartment this is the second day and i was like oh i've done this, this is my third country so i get into my into the cab and it's a sri lankan driver and we get in so my Arabic won't help anyway. We get into the car and we say, take us downtown. So we go downtown. The driver drops us off. We go looking around the big ball. All you can do is shop and eat. And we're like, okay, let's go back. And we get in, we flag down a taxi driver, some random taxi driver speaking Arabic. And we didn't know our address. We didn't know how to get back to the place that we had left that we now call home because we'd only been there for two days. And we must have driven for like an hour and a half around the apartment block several times because all the buildings look exactly the same. <laughs> you look back on this. It was so frustrating that night. I thought I was going to be sleeping on the street like the cabbie would kick us out. He was angry with us. He's yelling at us. And he, he's like, we're like, we don't even know what the, what the currency really exchange rate was. We just barely knew. We started speaking in Spanish, thinking he wouldn't understand us. But taxis around the world, no numbers in many languages. So he kept thinking we're cheap, you know, <laughs> and we're like, drive us around some more. Inshallah, we find it. You know, <laughs> we couldn't find it for the longest. We're lost. We did not know our own address or even our building number or street name to get back to. We're going by sight and it's nighttime. We were such idiots. And we we look back on that and just laugh about it like, whoa, God. But that's all part of it, man, right? Those trials and tribulations are what gets you through it. And as long as you have support from veteran teachers, maybe you won't do that. Like if you're listening to this podcast right now, don't go to Kuwait and expect to know your address unless you write it down, take a picture of it, of the building you live in. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, Story time. That, that reminds quick, me of that weekend trip you took me to a deserted island in the middle of the ocean and you let a storm wash in and sink the boats. Only you, only you guys would do something like that, fully knowing that it was going to happen. I um, was going to say it was his true, little Kent. joke on you, wasn't Man. it? True story, yeah. Kent. <laughs> Greg, you 
But Greg, you made my anxiety go up about 87 points no. right there, just listening to that story. Cause that's, but that's how you roll too. You're like, Hey, brand new country. Let's go out the door. And I would just be like, no, I'm, we're just going to chill and find out where we need to go first. But everybody attacks it differently. They have their own methods in their own ways. And Kent, let me tell you, the first time when I traveled with Matt in an airplane, I just I was like, I can't believe this guy has left Minnesota. He had been down in Venezuela for over a year, and he and I traveled back to, for some reason, we went back to the States and then yeah. came back. Matt has the memory of this. And I, I look over, and the plane's about to take off, and he's just like nervous Nelly, and he had to have like one or two like uh, – Travel, oh. what are they called? Travel, what are those travel pills called? They're not, Xanax, it's not, Greg, it's OTC, it's right? It's over the counter stuff, whatever. <laughs> get a, get a double like for I both said, of us. Like I said, he's trying I, to take I some, he's calming right his nerves. I will fly no, was, the plane. He was calming his nerves. <laughs> <laughs> you were just a little higher in altitude. <laughs> what do you mean we haven't taken off uh, yet? He's so different now. Yeah, no, I Now he's I got four kids. No, no, but I'm used to flying. No, it's different. I don't take it because it. It doesn't bother me now. The longer I fly, the worse I am at it. When I, I have been flying ever since I was a little kid. My parents would we'd go all over the world. Uh, but now I'm abs- I actually get anxiety when I'm in the air now. I don't know how that happened, but uh, after all these years, I've learned to not enjoy flying. So sure, if I can I get that, that prescription from you, I'd appreciate that. Okay. I got a number. You're going to go to the street corner. You're going to turn. You're going to find Is it that a, same dark corner that Greg had to go to. A tan Bonneville missing the hubcaps. You're going to turn left. <laughs> Ask for oh. Tony. Yeah, that's, ex- you know, I wanted to back up just a little bit into your conversation too. Um, because one of the things that when you're the new person and you initially get there, there, there's a couple of things that go on. Number one, you kind of get bum rushed by the new staff because you've got these new people now and everybody's been working with one another. And for lack of a better word, is basically sick of hanging out with each other and are looking for somebody new to hang out with and to bring into the fold. So new meat, you can huh? expect, yeah, yeah. The new meat, you can expect a little bit of that social onslaught. Um, but then initially you, when somebody says, Hey, do you need help with something? You don't even know what you don't know. Like, like you're just, your head is spinning and you think you got it dialed in and you don't know nothing. You have no idea what's going on. So I was going to say, if you're looking to offer help and support, check in after a few weeks, you know, check in after a month and a half, because mm-hmm. that's when the homesickness starts in. That's when the honeymoon phase wears off. That's when for whatever reason, this or this is really hard to get done. Those are the sorts of things that need the immediate attention. But I think sometimes people are there for such, they're, they're, say they're there five, six weeks and they're established and they're probably thinking, you know what? I've been here too long to start asking other people for help about this stuff. So I'm just going to keep quiet and try to figure it out. And then they just get frustrated over it. So if, I, if you're one of those new people, keep that in mind too. Or if you're trying to help I will me, add on. Yeah, go ahead. No, I will add on to what you said, and I think that was a great, uh, a great statement. Uh, I've been told that the place that we're all at can be relatively cold for people. It could be not in temperature, but I've heard of people who have been here for years and never received invitation or warm welcomes or things like that. So I would say 
that even though as veteran teachers we try to look out for for the new teachers as a new teacher you also have to remember that uh, the honeymoon period when it starts to roll down you might find yourself lonely no matter you got your family with you you got your wife with you your cat with you maybe you're you're single don't uh, you can't just expect people to come to your door you've got to sort of develop that attitude that says I'm going to go out there and I'm gonna knock on some doors myself absolutely go ahead well, even after I'm going to piggyback on that too. So this is the this is the support of the support conversation. Um, <clears throat> you're going to have time, no matter what, when you become international, whether you're with a family, a cat, a wife and a cat, or just you alone. You're going to have me time. You're going to have that time where everything settles down and you find yourself alone, sitting in a little space, going, "Hmm, what do I do now?" And you can ret you can sort of reflect on things, but I sort of cherish that that me time. I cherish that time, and I've gotten to know myself a lot better just by reflecting on all the things that have happened. And sometimes you need that, whether you want it or not. You're going to get it overseas, and I think that's a very important part because that's when you want to recognize that that's a time that you should adopt a little bit of self reflection whether it's writing, whether it's starting a new hobby, whether it's uh, you know reaching out and getting back in touch with family, whatever it is, you need to find a way through that because that's natural, right? Mm -hmm. So I agree with, and I totally agree with what Matt said too. In, the, in that first month and a half, if there, everybody wants to help you. And I, I think that's across the board at schools. They're interested in you. You're working with them as a new teammate. Uh, you have families that are trying to drop in and say, oh, let's come over to my house for dinner. And you have, you know, parents of students offering to do things for you. And you get flooded with that, that honeymoon period with people bothering you in a good way. Hopefully, not all the time, like I gave you examples before. But in a lot of schools, that's what happens. And as the, as the experienced teacher, like I said before, I like to go in later and say, what can I do for you? Nope. Oh, you don't need anything good. So then leave them alone for a while. And then, like Matt said, after a month and a half or so, take a read on them and see if you can reach out again because they might need something, right? So I love that. Uh, that's a great point, Matt. And that, that's what I like about this kind of the three of us sitting down and thinking about this is we all three have sure, different sure. experiences. And, and if you are one of the new people, as, as you guys said, when you're reaching out to others, think, think about the value you can already bring to other established people as well. You know, it isn't always just about them helping you out too. And when you are in that, that situation where you do need help and you do need support, just remember that because there's going to be a time further on down the road. If you do stay overseas, you're going to be in a unique position where you can help somebody out and you're going to be able to pay back all that kindness you were giving. So please keep those things in mind too. Um, yeah, I mean, I can look back on, there's a, a few different families that I can think of my first year in Venezuela. I literally would not have made it were they not there to help me through it. I, I, I you know, I've, I've talked to them personally and thanked them about that, but it, everybody's got their own story of somebody who was able to reach out and hopefully connect with you and help you get through a tough time. And hopefully you know, other people who hear this and listen to this will go, yeah, I can remember so-and-so who, who helped me with that. So it's such a vital piece. And that's where it brings that small, even though you are international and it is a big world, 
but that that international teaching community is a really small tight-knit community as well so almost uh, they become like family but in greg it's your sense it'd be adoptive an adoptive relationship but still it's family yeah we're d- <laughs> that's why i tell everybody matt's my father when i go hang out with his kids and stuff and i show up and i'm the, the oldest the tallest one and i always say yeah these are my brothers you know Karu, he's you know 10 and they got the eight-year-old twins and i'm the I oldest love one. the looks on their faces <laughs> Dad, when can you I have say some that money? too it, like several people have honestly taken you seriously as well it was kind of funny or they're just really good actors uh, Matt, I, I want to tell you, when the Bahrain please come knocking at your door for those tickets, uh, Greg and I will rally around you. I appreciate will, that. We'll Thank hold tight guys. for you. Well, honestly, we'll probably crack under police pressure. I was going to say, we'll probably... <laughs> Speak for yourself, we'll, Ken. We'll probably confess and turn Speak you in yourself. after so much interrogation, but we'll hold strong for a few minutes. Appreciate that, Kent. Appreciate your... <laughs> Only if Dad buys me some Fine. Legos. Only if, they, if I get some whatever. Legos, then I'll do it. <laughs> what, um, when, uh, Greg, you were, you were also talking about one of the topics though, of the start of recruiting season. And, you know, when you look at Walmart and Target starting to stock school supplies in August, isn't that when recruiting season really starts or what could be the official start of the international recruiting season? When- I'll just say that uh, I, my recruiting my only recruiting experience was through ISS and I thought that they were great it takes a lot of work and I know you've talked about this before also you could find a lot of this information in Greg's book finding the right fit www.amazon.com or wherever you buy your finer books or not finer books get your (laughs) and uh, I would give props to them now uh, boys are our recruiting fair is going to be in Person? Are they all in person now? You fly to the hotel. Is that the way we're doing it this year? I think you're going to start to see a combination of, of both. I think there was definitely already a pattern of people looking to cut the associated cost with recruiting by just doing it virtually. And then Rona. And so obviously you're going to see that continue to be a part of what they do, but you still can't, you still can't replicate the in-person experience though too you know for those of you who think it's going to be done all online i think our school still has the policy that one of our administrators needs to meet with you in person i i think that's still a thing yeah i'm pretty sure that's right too okay okay so maybe we're talking a hybrid system where you're doing the equivalent of the first and second interviews online and then that sort of third and final kind of interview might be done in person so there's still a lot of value in the fairs so I will not write those off. If you're seriously looking for a job, I would consider both the uh, video and the in-person options. Well, let me just chime in here a little bit. The, the teaching job fairs are starting up now. And I think I know that ISS is starting early with their video, with their international job fairs that are virtual. They're okay. called iFairs. They've been doing it since 2015. They're not by far the only ones. I think Search is still doing them, but Search Associates has global recruiting fairs now at different times of the year. You'd have to go onto their site and really look at that to see what the dates are and where in what part of the world they are because they do it regionally. We also have the GRC that's in du- Dubai this year. I believe it's in December or January. ISS has a face-to-face fair for their administrators early 
and then they have one in February in the U.S. at Washington, D.C. this year. They're not on the West Coast, so keep that in mind if you're a California. Nope. They bounce over from West to East every year, and they have a new manager, a new director of the job fairs, and she's aiming to change things up a little bit. She's moving the job fair to Washington. They haven't done it in D.C. before. It's usually in or Atlanta Boston. or in, uh, and on that coast. And then... Uh, Right. And then you have the UNI Fair, and the UNI Fair is in February. So if you're international already, of course, you know about the ISS Fair in Bangkok. I recently talked to a teaching couple that's going overseas their first time. They've already signed up for the International School ISS Fair in Bangkok. Nice. So they're going to fly from, from the U.S. to the Bangkok Fair. That one is mainly a teaching couple fair, if you ask me. I mean, that might have changed over the years. And it's been a long time since we've had face-to-face fairs. I'm so happy because even after writing that book, I would have been really SOL if they had gone and stuck with the uh, job fairs that were not face-to-face, that were all virtual. But I had a belief system, and I think that everybody looks good on paper, but not everybody is good on interviewing in person. Uh, Kent, what you said, though, was very important, is that they need to get started on the job fairs across the board. You might tie into something online first before you start your search and then sign up with one of the the big... Yeah, yeah. you're going to want to meet them in person whenever possible. Because there's a lot of paperwork that lead up to those, right? And Matt, you went to UNI Fair twice or just once? Yeah, yeah, no, we went to UNI twice. And we almost had, um, just through recruiting that I had done on my own, I didn't wait for the job fairs. I started my letter writing campaign in week one of September and wrote hundreds of emails and hundreds of letters and heard back from virtually nobody because they just, they aren't dealing with those sorts of things or aren't equipped to because a lot of them are just starting their school years at that point. So that's another thing you have to keep in mind. But we were able to actually secure multiple interviews by mid-October. And then that's what led to us eventually being hired in January and February at the UNI job fair in Iowa. And so there's nothing wrong with reaching out and establishing those connections now. I have to say educators have one big leg up now that they didn't have before. And and that is the use of LinkedIn because LinkedIn is such a vital way to promote your brand as a professional, to promote yourself and to make those professional connections so that people can kind of get an idea of what you are about. Whether you like, I'm honestly, I'm still not a huge fan of LinkedIn, but it is a tool and it is a vital tool for a lot of people uh, on the job market. I, I, that's a whole nother conversation for another time that I would have about it, but that's a tool nonetheless that people should be leveraging if they're not. In fact, I would probably start there and start with building those professional connections. And then you reach out in the coming months to discuss jobs and things like that. As far as timelines goes, I was late into the game for both of my jobs. I started recruiting after the new year. My first interviews were January, February, and offers were made in March. I'm going to bet for a lot of teachers who are successful, that timeline's going to be a lot earlier. I was a little bit late on both of my job searches, uh, but perhaps lucky. Well, I do need to throw out a couple of things here. One of them is the Pancake on a Stick. It's a newsletter that comes out from Tony DiPrato. He was on our, our episode before. I was on his podcast. Oh, and that that's was, right, yes. Do you remember when we were, I don't know if you went back to that one or not. I want to say it was back in April of last year. 
and I talked with him, and Tony DiPrato has this, this listing of all these international schools that <laughs> you can just land on that and save yourself a lot of looking, right? And there's other kinds of things you can pay for and you can definitely look into on the web. I'm gonna, I want to do a specific international teacher recruiting fair episode at some point so we don't have to go too long with this because there's so much to talk about, right, Matt? Right, Kent? There's tons of recruiting fair stuff to talk about, and you guys have been out for a while mm-hmm. out of the game. It's something I stick, I stick with it, and it's just sort of my passion on the side. I'll probably go a lot deeper into that with a couple other guests if I can. The point right now is to get out there and start looking. Right. You can do that shotgun effect like Matt started. And then they started based on their information that they got early in September. They started making October connections. Right. And the job fairs are getting earlier each year. That's the one trend that I've seen since 2000 when I went to my first job fair without any information out there. The jobs are now asking you earlier and earlier if you're coming back the next year and they're recruiting earlier every year and they're starting to recruit for the admin even two years out believe it or not did you guys know that wow no didn't know that amazing one of the things i wonder about is obviously with as connected things are now i feel like the recruiting process is actually shortened and lessened and i can't help this is maybe the skeptic in me but I, I think a lot of organizations now it's turned into a one-up sort of a situation. I could be totally reading this wrong, but if I'm thinking from a business perspective and I'm trying to maximize the amount of schools attending and the amount of job seekers attending, I'm going to do whatever I can that's going to help me outpace my opponents. And like I said, I think the, the recruiting things itself, that process has actually improved. It's probably gotten easier. And I just wonder now if it just has to do with you know, just trying to outdo your you outdo your competition in terms of all the different organizations that put job fairs out. When you look at when we started, it was UNI, it was ISS, and it was Thai Online. And, and that was pretty much it. Yep. And well, okay, sorry, yeah, Search came on during my second round, not right. necessarily my first, or at least I didn't know about it. And so now I definitely have some skepticism. So if you were a teacher that's attending those fairs thinking, oh, this one is the first one, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to have you make sure you're doing your homework. Number one, making sure that there's schools or countries that are going to be there that you're interested in. That's got to be your number one priority. Um, the second one I totally forgot now because I was looking at the bacon on your screen and I just totally, my screen totally <laughs> shut off. God darn it. <laughs> Why do you have to have bacon in your background? Um, the second thing, also make sure that they're actually going to be hiring for positions. I've heard people, they spend all this money, they go to this job fair, and admin wasn't really doing any hiring. I can say that I've been in the presence of certain job fairs when I was in the U.S. doing training for this or that, and I've been in those situations and overheard a lot of administrators like, yeah, I wasn't even hiring, I'm just here because, you know, free trip, free vacation, whatever. So I'm always going to err on the side of skeptic and I'm going to side with the teachers or the admin that are job hunting. So I'm on the side of the job hunters. Do your homework, exhaust any and all options, make any and all connections that you have so you can ensure that when you go to the job fair, you're going to be interviewing for positions you actually want in places that you would actually want to work. Please remember I'm going to double down. I'm going to double down on what Matt said there, that 
you want to treat the job fair as your final interview with those schools that you've already reached out to, that they know when they're getting there, they're looking for you. And I know that our school tries to identify their, uh, their needs well in advance because they want to start that job search well before they get to those job fairs. And if you haven't made your connections, you might find exactly what Matt's talking about, that they've already identified their candidates and they might not even have those jobs open by the time you get there that you thought would be open. So it's never too early to reach out, make connections, and what you're going to get back, if you're a strong candidate, they're going to say, let's meet at the fair and let's uh, see if we have a connection. And Kent, can I piggyback off the piggyback? Yep. Piggyback. Okay. Um, one of the things, too, when it comes down to those relationships, you're not necessarily also just trying to establish a professional connection so you can get a job. What you're doing is when you're creating any sort of, you know, having any sort of professional dialogue where you're meeting with somebody, you're talking to somebody, you never know when that's going to play into your favor in the future as well. Yep. And again, it isn't just a temporary thing where you're looking to get something from somebody. There's something to be said for expanding your personal and professional network. You know, it always goes back to the question of what's your network worth? So if our jobs, if we lost our jobs tomorrow, I know probably 45 different people I could call and more than likely have some job leads within a week. And so when you hear those sorts of things, that, that's what's one thing you have to keep in mind as, as you go and you're building your network and your brand as a professional and you're making these connections, what are these connections worth in the future? How are those going to pay off? And then how can you help bring value to those people you're making those connections with? Because it's really, it, it isn't just a, a one-off game. It's still, you're, you've got the international community and the international connectedness. And it's really cool when somebody can help you out, but you can also bring something to the table with them as well. And, and that's kind of what it's all about. That's why we got into teaching in the first place. It's not really about us. It's about trying to help other people and serve other people too. So, sorry, I got on my soapbox a little bit on that one. But Well, that's Loved a podcast. It. You Loved should it. be. And, you know, let me chime in a little bit here. <laughs> Be, what I'm going to do, and I've done this for years, I've already renewed my tie online, and this is just in case I decide to recruit because I haven't decided yet, but it's a possibility. So I'm usually ready with tieonline.com, and I usually go to the international school community. Both of those are like one-time payments for the annual fee. You can go on the international school community and hear all about that in one of our former episodes, episode 30, where I interviewed the website owner and creator of that. Go back and listen to that episode, Pancake on a Stick. So those three things, just to get you started. And then, of course, buy my book. But those three things online you can do. Finding the right fit, www.amazon.com. Go on those three websites, get logged in, use their databases, from those sources, you might choose one of the job fairs, not based on who's first, just like Matt said, or you might be interested in South America and go to the ASA fair in December down in, in the South. I think it's in Atlanta, Atlanta, Atlanta. So, yep. So there are some, weekend. those are some tried and true job fairs. And I don't say this without any hesitation, any of those job fairs, you can go to ISS, you and I, Search Associates or the ASA Fair and choose one of those to get their database. Sign up for it, and whether you go or not, it's an investment in your career. 
So do that and save yourself oh, some. Look around and look at the names of the people that are at these schools. Look at them on the map where they are. They have the websites ready for you. Uh, International School Community even gives you a rating system for different schools you wouldn't even know existed. And then you can maybe even start reaching out to people and start doing that shotgun effect if that's your choice. But it should save you a lot of hunting on the Internet instead of just going out and typing in a name and what schools are in Kenya or something. And then then you're going to be set a lot better than somebody who starts it in December that's late to the game. Like I started after Christmas to actually get ready for my first job fair, right? Kent, you started late on your job fair, your first one. Yep. And we all have different stories yep. about what happened at different job fairs. But I tell you, I think that's a tried and true prescription right there. And, and you know what, too? And just, you know, I wonder... For people who've been overseas like us now for a while, what sort of value we can also add to the people who are going to be coming to these upcoming fairs? Like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's people who would actually are considering going overseas, would they want to reach out to others that they know or reach out to people like us who can maybe just serve as a sounding board and listening to them too? I, I think people also need to find some avenues of support from people who've kind of been there and done that. When we went overseas, for example, we knew nobody who was doing this. And I don't know about you guys, but maybe when you overseas, you went overseas, you probably didn't know anybody who was doing this. And so how much would Not that have clue. helped to actually have somebody, how much would that have actually helped somebody to just bounce ideas off of? That's, that's one thing that I have found that I don't know of any job fairs that have like this, I don't know, what would you call Conversation. it? Conversation. Or the pre- the pre-conversations, yeah. Like somebody who, who, like me, who's going to be that eternal skeptic, only locked in on the needs of the person who's actually job hunting. The schools are not my concern. It's helping somebody find the right fit. I wonder about that. www.amazon.com. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> Ken, are you trying to sell me on amazon.com? Deal. I'm in. I prefer <laughs> A small little company sells a few books. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, I do have one reaction to your comment. Sure. Through email, we have had a number of guests and listeners at, reach out to us on our email, which is internationalteacherpodcast at gmail.com. And they have asked us questions, and we have running commentary going on with several of them. I tend to do a lot of the, the communication with that and then pass it forward to you guys. There's a teaching couple that's definitely getting into it after listening to us. And I'm not going to name them all because of privacy issues and I, I don't have their permission. Yep. But we have reached out enough to so many listeners that we started to get more feedback and say we are here to answer some of those things. Kent has absolutely nothing to do at night except hang out with his cat. His wife is gone <laughs> right now. I have absolutely nothing, not even a cat to hang out with. So... The fact that I don't have much of a life, I have plenty of time to do some, you know, recruiting answers. And like I said before, it's not about every answer that I have. It's reaching out to other people that might be able to answer their questions. So international teacher podcast at gmail.com. ITP expats on Instagram. There you go. So we have multiple ways for you to reach out to us. We're not on Facebook. We're not really that kind of podcast, but reach out to us so we can help out. Kent is just sitting there laughing. I don't know why. He's just got the giggles or I, something. We're we're not a we're not a Facebook crowd. Is that what you just told our audience? Uh, next on MySpace, we're gonna be. Uh, 
<laughs> it's really cool. I got a lot of cool bands on MySpace that I've been listening to. You know, by the way, Matt, I forgot to mention this, and the audience should probably hear this too. I've decided that since, Matt, you and I make so much money off this podcast, I think we should share one-third of our profits with Kent and uh, make sure that he's part of our founding group. So he's such a vital part of our ITP. What do you think, Matt? Do you agree to that? Absolutely. Great. So Kent, you get one third of all profits that we make off of this podcast, which right now is a big whopping zero because we're out for, this is for fun. (laughs) I would also like one third of the bacon I see behind you. Um, That's another demand. I went written into the contract. It's a screen share. You can have that screen. Hey, can I update our listeners? We don't really have an update section, but let me update our listeners on two things that happened in September. Greg, you dropped on two podcasts that are not ours this month. And I just wanted our listeners to know that across oceans, I believe, uh, you were a guest with a young uh, woman who talks about third culture kids. So across oceans. That's Julia. Uh, was one podcast that dropped. And the second podcast that dropped was, uh, is, it teach- is it Teaching 101 with those nice ladies that you interviewed with? dropped on september 12th yes i did thank you for listening kent <laughs> it's just fun to be on a podcast and be a, a guest on somebody else's that's a lot of fun great are we almost ready for my line i got a big line coming up well what do you think matt can we let him do it <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say there's there's a cocaine joke somewhere to be thrown in here but <laughs> sorry totally inappropriate but Let's just let's just be honest. It's not all a family show. Um, <laughs> it's well, late night now. This I'm is good. the yeah. This is late night. Uh, this Kent, is the I'm late pre- night show. So whatever you want to throw out there, I'm pretty good with. <laughs> uh, are we ready? I, I can I get a cue? Uh, uh, first of all, I think we should say uh, uh, this is uh, Kent uh, Cat Guy, and thanks guys so much. And you guys are. I am Matt, the family guy. Uh, Greg, the, Greg, the, what is it? The single guy? Yeah. So we're going to see you next episode, right? And can't give us the last. Wait a minute, you just did the big sign off. Oh, we'll see you the next time the bell rings. Oh. Is that, is that our new line? <laughs> Should I fade the music in a lot yeah, louder before yeah, that you, final line? You can play the music right <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>